Lemon Pepper Parlay is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet, you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. That's right, it's another edition of the Lemon Pepper Parlay Podcast. I'm joined here with Mark Gunnels. And you know what, Mark? The last time we did this, I asked you first straight out, how are the vibes in Kansas City? And you told me I had nothing to worry about. It was all good because you had Patrick, Levon, Mahomes, the second, right? So I think we should start out doing these podcasts now as we recap week one and get into week two with the, a vibe check. And so we'll have good vibes, bad vibes, and the ugly vibes in terms of cross the league. We'll get into it. But first, if you want to check out and subscribe to Extra Points Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, wherever your podcasts are sold. And congratulations to you, Mark, leading the Extra Points staff going 10 and 5 on your picks this week. I was 8 and 7. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just week one. We're not going to get too high, get too low. But uh, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. It was a good start. But this guy, this guy goes 10 and 5, and he's like, you know what? It's nothing. Do it again. How about that? Do it again. That's what I want to see. I want to do better this time. I want to go 15 I want to do better. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you this. When I saw Aaron Rodgers uh, go down, four snaps in, I just doubled down, and I bet the Jets live at plus 350 because it said, I'm, this is the only shot at a winning week. Might as well go ahead and do it. And boy, did it. I can't believe what happened in that game. But I'll just start out. It's bad vibes in New York. It's pretty bad vibes in New York right now. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and upgrade that one to all the way ugly vibes. Because after hard knocks and everything about it, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. That couldn't, it could not have gone worse. I guess it could have gone worse. He could have got hurt on the second play when he didn't throw the ball, when the linemen were cut blocking. But yeah, probably couldn't have gone that much worse for the Jets in a win. Yeah, I mean, obviously all the hype that the Jets were having. You mentioned hard knocks. People were picking them to go to the Super Bowl. They finally got their guy in Aaron Rodgers. This franchise just seems to be cursed, man, when it comes to the quarterback position ever since all the way back to Joe Namath. You know, I think we definitely were not alive back then. But uh, just very unfortunate, man. You win the game with such bittersweet feeling knowing that Aaron Rodgers is out for the season. And, you know, at 40 years old, having an Achilles injury, you have to wonder, is that the last time we've seen him play in the NFL? I mean, that's a hard, hard injury to rehab from. And, you know, this guy's been threatening retiring the last two or three years, it feels like. Does he really want to go through that rehab? You know, I think he will give it a shot, considering, you know, the Jets didn't have even a, a chance to see what they are with him. And, you know, all the money that's tied into his contract over the next couple of years. So uh, it's a very difficult situation. But now you got Zach Wilson with another chance. Right. You know, the guy they took early in the draft who you couldn't believe that he, we were just saying he's the number two pick without any pushback. He has another chance, Martin. I'm glad you remember that. I'm really am glad you remember that because I was sitting there talking to no one in particular because I was just at work yelling at the wall. Like, why? Why? Why is Zach Wilson just locked in the number two pick and just across the board? Everybody's like, well, you know, the Jets are taking Zach Wilson, so we don't need to question this. I'm like, I, why? 
Didn't understand. I think we should question it. Since the Jets have such a great track record at quarterback. But I want to move on from my ugly vibe to my bad vibe. Because the one positive thing that came out of Monday Night Football is apparently everybody else got a chance to see Josh Allen. I don't know what they've been doing over the last four and a half years. I don't know where they've been over the last four and a half years. But finally, everybody got a chance to see Josh Allen in his full turnover glory. My man does not protect the ball. And outside of a stretch during a global pandemic playoff run, has not protected the ball his entire career. Just 17 interceptions, I mean, 17 touchdowns to 11 interceptions in his last 10 regular season games. He leads the league in turnovers, leads the league in turnover-worthy plays, whatever advanced metric you want to throw out there in terms of balls that should have been intercepted. I'm sure he leads in those two since he started in this league. And I'm just glad that the rest of the world is starting to catch up. It's bad vibes in Buffalo. So you see Stefan Diggs doing the little, doing that little, like that's the type of thing you do with your like four-year-old nephew, where you do a high five and you come back around and you clap underneath, like, hey, come on, buddy, you can do it. The bathroom's over there. You know, it's okay. It's all right. You know, next time you'll come in sooner from playing outside before you wet yourself. You learned your lesson. Although I don't think the Bills did learn their lesson because we've seen this movie time and time again. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I, I know you're still trying to hold on to your your early take on Josh Allen, which was way off that he shouldn't play quarterback. He should be a tight end, you know. And so this is your your glory moment. I understand that. And, you know, there's no denying the numbers there. The turnovers are a problem. But um, I've never seen a guy that has such high highs, but such low lows. Like when he's playing at his absolute best, He's he's arguably the best quarterback or second best quarterback in the league. I think when you look at his physical attributes that he brings, you know, the guy's like 6'8", 270. I'm obviously exaggerating there, but he's a credible athlete, credible arm strength. But then there's these moments like Monday night. You're like, what are you seeing? Like, are you seeing ghosts? Like, are you are, is it Sam Darnold all over again? I, I don't understand it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you take the good with the bad. I, th- I still think his highs – are, are a lot more uh, consistent than his lows, uh, considering the guy's been an all-pro quarterback. He leads the league in touchdowns, I believe, over the last three years. So let's mention that as well as his turnovers. You, as far as touchdowns, running and passing, he does lead the league in that over the last three years. So, you know, the Bills are going to take that. They're still going to be a top team in the AFC. And then now I had him win the division before the Aaron Rodgers injury. I think they're definitely going to win it now, unless you believe in Miami and Tua staying healthy for 17 games. So the Bills will be fine. I was on Miami to begin with. Now with Aaron Rodgers out, I think Buffalo will sneak in the wild card. But I thought the Jets were going to win uh, the wild card. But who knows? Jets got one in hand over Buffalo already. Hmm? (laughs) And I would say the good vibes, the good vibes right now, are in Dallas. I'm sorry, Eddie. Cover your ears. I thought the Giants were going to come out and at least put up a fight. Little did I know, they were done with that game with seven minutes left in the first quarter. Unfortunately, I wasn't done with that game. I watched almost the entire thing. Enough. I said, I'll watch it until Daniel Jones goes out. And so that's pretty much, we were locked in, in lockstep. Daniel Jones was playing at the end of a 40-point blowout. I don't know. I kind of, I don't hate the fact that the, the Giants kept him in there. I really don't. <laughs> 
It's like you got to play sometime. You're not going to play preseason and all this other stuff or play limited reps. You got to play sometime. It is football. You may get hurt on any play. But Dallas having just traded in for Noah Igabinene, my forgiveness, uh, who returned that touchdown on the field goal and then getting the, uh, the turnover for a touchdown. I understand that Dak and the offense didn't necessarily move the ball greatly, but what it showed me, honestly, was Mike McCarthy sat there and said, you know what? They can't block us on offense. Like when the Giants are on offense, they can't block us. We're going to be home a million times. They're not going to score over 10 points in this game. We just have to not turn the ball over and we will win. I like that Dallas came through with a holistic win and it shows me something in in Mike McCarthy's play calling because he didn't put the ball at risk. Whereas like I think Kellen Moore would have been in love with putting the ball at risk because he kind of was. And that's how Dak led the league in interceptions last year, being hurt or not led the league in interceptions, but had a ton, right? Being hurt and all of that, but good vibes. It's definitely the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. For me, I'm going to green Bay for the good vibes. I think uh, considering people were questioning what it's going to look like without Aaron Rodgers for good reason. You know, you're going to Chicago. For some reason, a lot of people are high on Chicago before the year to be that team that can win maybe eight or nine games. I've been seeing that a lot. Like some people were even saying Justin Fields is a sneaky MVP pick. I, I saw that a lot on my timeline throughout the summer. And you go in there and dominate, went 38 to 20. I think Jordan Love looked really good, comfortable in the pocket. He had a couple plays where he was really like eyeing off the linebacker, some no-look type stuff, very comfortable there. I think the Packers are a team that people really overlook that can win that division. I mean, I picked the Lions to win the North, but it wouldn't shock me at all if the Packers were the team that came away winning that division. I think you're really going to see Matt LaFleur's offense for the first time because when Aaron Rodgers is there, it's pretty much his offense. He He's calling the shots at the line of scrimmage. Jordan Love's not going to really audible that much out of plays, or he might not even have the authority to do that yet. So, And I do think Matt LaFleur can get a really creative with that offense, and we're going to see it this year. So good vibes in Green Bay, man. I think they have another one. Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. Whoa, 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 I'm, whoa, I'm all whoa, in. Whoa, 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 whoa. All, all right, this, this is pump the breaks a little bit no uh, I'm they definitely in. they're definitely in the good vibe section i 100 agree with that they are, there's no bad vibes in green bay right now but let's just remember brett Favre and aaron Rodgers, both of whom have questionable social uh social interactions are both are two of the greatest quarterbacks ever play this game but i feel you jordan love looked really good but also i think the bears defense looked really bad anyway what's your bad vibe bad vibes i mean we got to go to seattle Right now, um, this is a team that we both picked to win the NFC West, uh, kind of going out on a limb there when the Niners were the favorites. Um, you know, you add JSN, you think their defense is going to get better with some pass rush potential there. Uh, you're going to get Jamal Adams back maybe this week. Pete Carroll's a really good coach. And then you play a team that has no expectations at all. I mean, you look at that Rams roster. It's a lot of guys under like 25 years old you never heard of before. You know, they can barely drink. You know, Matthew Stafford's the old guy in the room. And he's pretty much by himself. Him and Aaron Donald is the older stakesman is there. And they go into Seattle, one of the toughest places to play, and pretty much dominate from start to finish. 
very, very disappointing. And then you got to go into Detroit this week, which is going to be a rock in the atmosphere after beating the Chiefs. It's gonna, you may be looking at 0-2 in the face if you're Seattle, which it's not good, man, considering the, the what we thought they were going to be before the season. But I'm not out on them, but that was not an ideal start. Especially when you consider what San Francisco did. I mean, the trendiest dog of the week was Pittsburgh yeah. plus two and yeah. a half. And they were like, you know what? <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Just coming through and just, I mean, really demolishing the Steelers in a way that I, I mean, if I had expected it, I definitely wouldn't have bet the way I bet. I'll tell you that. But yeah. San Francisco right now, that was one of those, you, you know, look back and it's like, damn, am I an idiot for picking Seattle to win this division? Time will tell. Yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> what you got for your ugly one? My ugly. Oh, man. <laughs> Seattle can be everything. But, uh, I mean, how can I not say the Giants? Sorry, Eddie. Um, you know, you paid Daniel Jones the money. You had maybe his fool's goal last year. You overachieved. Then you win a playoff game. That may have been the worst thing to happen for the Giants last year. Because that that team on paper shouldn't have made the playoffs and definitely shouldn't have won a playoff game. But you lucked out by playing Minnesota, who was the biggest fluke of last year. All the close games they won. I actually picked the Giants to win that game. But now I think you you go into this game with going to the season with false hope. This, to me, this is a six or seven win team this year. And then not only that, you get blown out by your rivals, 48, 40 to nothing. You don't even score at home in New York. I mean, just, just a complete ugly performance. And you know, luckily you play with the Cardinals this week, so you should bounce back. Well, you look at that schedule, man. I think it's going to get pretty brutal for the Giants this year. I'll be shocked that they win eight or more games. I this is something I'm going to try to pay attention to this year, but I'm going to see the, the Giants record in games in which the other team scores first versus when they score first. I think if the Giants are able to score first, they should be all right. But this one just spiraled out of control. Do I? Do you, I don't think the Cowboys are legitimately 40 points better than Dallas. I mean, than, than New York. Like, no team in the NFL is 40 points better than another team. So things have to occur, like block field goal touchdown, interception or fumble return for a touchdown. Like these different, like fluky things that you're not ever banking into your any handicapping realistically have to have. And for a team to win by 40 freaking points in the NFL, I think I would like to have seen if like that didn't, you know, some of that stuff didn't happen. What would have happened in this game? And I'm sure Giants fans also would have liked to see that. But let's move on to just some of the more general news. Should the Jets sign a quarterback? What would you do if you're if you're sitting there, Jets GM, put your feet up on the table, be careful because Achilles are, you know, they're dangerous out there. They might get ruptured. Be careful what you do walking around in New York, MetLife apparently on that turf. But uh, what do you do at quarterback here? Do you just ride with Zach Wilson? Do you make a trade? Do you sign somebody? What's your play? Yeah, I mean, you ride with Zach Wilson, but I still still think you got to sign somebody at the same time just to have another veteran just in case something happens to Zach Wilson. Um, you're looking at maybe a guy like I would even say a Carson Wentz, and I know that's a, a very uh, negative name to throw around these days, <laughs> but I, I do think he has the most potential as a guy that is surrounded by great talent, especially having a good defense. This is a guy that I know has been years ago, but would have won MVP if he didn't get hurt. 
that year with the Philadelphia Eagles when they ended up winning the Super Bowl with uh, Nick Foles there. But, you know, there's been reports of him working out and staying in shape and, you know, trying to pitch the teams that he wants another chance. And I think a lot of things were psychological with him going on in his head. So I think if he comes into a situation where he knows he's the backup, you know, you don't have high expectations and then you may get in at some point. Uh, I do think in that environment, like I mentioned before, you have a top five defense to where he doesn't have to do much. And I, I do think that could be a solution for them. But yeah, they got to bring somebody in, whether it's Carson Wentz, I don't care who it is. But uh, I saw names like Matt Ryan being floated around. I don't know about that because behind that offensive line, you need some type of mobility. <laughs> Uh, and Matt Ryan at this point is a complete statue and like a Philip Rivers as well. So I don't like those options, but I think Carson Wentz could be a pretty good backup solution there. I wouldn't sign anybody who's not actively in the league. Maybe Colt McCoy, maybe, because he just was practicing and training. But like the idea that like somebody's about to come off the couch and come and be an impact player, I'm not buying it. But if I was the Jets, now that I know that I got to give my second round pick to Green Bay, right? As a result of this, it's not going to be my first round pick. If I'm the Jets right now with this whole thing going on, and I know I got Aaron Rodgers and thinking I got him in the fold for the year after this, I would trade for Cooper Rush. Mm. Okay. okay. I call Jerry and see what Cooper Rush costs. He's in the last year of his contract, so either the Cowboys are going to have to re-sign him or figure it out. They just traded for Trey Lance, who essentially, if the money is going to dictate that he's the backup quarterback unless he gets cut, right? And we saw what Cooper Rush did with a pretty high-powered offense and a great defense last year. You know, he went in one game. Is he going to be a reason why you win? No, but he's probably not going to be the reason why you lose. And Zach Wilson as we've seen, can be the reason why you lose football games. So I, I would call Dallas, Jerry, what's it going to take? You know, how much do you really love Cooper Rush? What's the story? What's the deal here? And then I think if you get a sensible quarterback on this team, the playoffs are still the the goal, right? I mean, the Super Bowl was the goal with Aaron Rodgers, but I think this this roster is good enough. I mean, how many – they won seven games last year with, with – playing three quarterbacks. Who does that? Like, it's, it's really hard to do unless you're Kyle 49, 49ers, yeah, that's the only other team, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'll even look at another couple guys I think you should uh, take an eye at is Davis Mills or even Case Keenum uh, down there in Houston. I don't think there's a need to have both of those guys behind C.J. Stroud. So I think they may be open to trading as well. That's why I, I would make a move and get a, get – at least some depth that can compete with Zach Wilson. Like, I get it. This is Zach's team now. Rob says Robert Sala. But in three weeks, how much is Zach's team is going to be? Right? Like, I, the, yeah, I don't buy the whole, uh, you know, well, he was sitting next to Aaron Rodgers, so he must have got better. You know, I sat next to Shannon Sharp before. You know what I didn't do? Gain any weight, score any touchdowns. You know, it didn't it didn't work for me, right? You I didn't see that. I didn't get any stronger. None of that. You <laughs> see the, Jet, the Jets next three games, they go to Dallas, they play the Patriots, who they haven't beaten forever in Belichick's defense, and then they play Kansas City. Those are the next three games. That's ugly. Speaking of that, Patriots. You got lucky with this for picking the Eagles. Hope you know that. <laughs> you got absolutely lucky with this one. Keyshawn Booty, LSU. 
Keep your feet in bounds, brother. This is the NFL. You need two of them. Yeah, he, he thought he was still at LSU, bro. What was it? An interception return for a touchdown? Yep, Darius and then Slay. Darius Slay, former Lion. Interception return for a touchdown. The, the Eagles jumped out on him. But after the first quarter, the Eagles scored nine points. Nine points under new offensive coordinator Brian Johnson. Nine points. Patriots, you know, a little, a little bit, a little too much uh, throwing the ball to Zeke for me. <laughs> a little too many. It's like Zeke was a focal point of the <laughs> offense. And I get his week one. He's probably the freshest he'll be. But that's a game that the, the Eagles should have lost this game. Realistically, if, if if things go as planned and the Patriots don't turn the ball over, I think if the weather's better, the Eagles probably lose this game. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I got lucky, but, you know, sometimes better to be lucky than good. You know that saying, Martin. I'm sure you heard that one a few times in your life. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I do think uh, the Eagles should have lost this game. But I, I'm not going to overreact on the Eagles side of things. I want to see their offense when they play a non-Belichick defense in New England. I think that is a thing where, you know, he knows how to take your, your best attribute away from you and things of that nature. And playing there, obviously, you had the Tom Brady uh, ceremony. It was just a lot of uh, circus-type things going on in New England with the home opener there that I think made things a little weird. And the weather, I think they actually played a factor in and uh, helped the, the Patriots more than the Eagles, I think. So you're talking about the weather there. But uh well I've, I don't know if I don't know if the Mac Jones misses so badly if it's not raining. Well, sure, sure. But I always tend to think that poor weather conditions poor weather conditions favor the lesser talented team. That's always kind of my uh way of thinking when it comes to that. But yeah, you know, the Eagles they'll be fine. They come back Thursday, they play the Vikings who just lost to the Bucks. But I yeah, does this game say more about the Patriots or the Eagles for you? I think it says more about the Patriots slightly. I, I do think maybe, you know, we assume they're gonna finish last in that division, which is still is probably gonna be the case. But I, I do think there is potential for the offense to be a little bit better than people thought. If uh your boy can get two feet in bounds next time. Well, in a shocking turn of events, Bill O'Brien, better offensive coordinator than Matt Patricia. Oh, Who I mean, would have guessed it? <laughs> what a shocker. <laughs> Who would have guessed it? Better than the combination of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. <laughs> Which, that was a disaster. Sometimes you just wonder, like, what was – there couldn't have been a plan. There couldn't have been a plan, right? There wasn't a plan here. Like, well, this this was all thrown together happenstance. Anyway, I got to eat this one. Because I thought that the Browns would beat the Bengals because that's all the week one trends. The Bengals start slow. Burrow's like one in five against the Browns in his career. But if you had told me that Joe Burrow only had 82 passing yards, I would have said in the first quarter. Like, like that's that's absurd. I think the weather had a lot to do with this one as well. But still, Miles Garrett, if you watch the all 22, Miles Garrett stood up in his rush in a two point stance and was doing like I would do in like the eighth grade. 
walking down the hallway, like crossing people up without a basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody's in your way, and you like hit them with the uh, 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 and you just cross them up on your way around them. That's what Miles Garrett was doing on his way around the Bengals offensive line. You think I'm joking. I'm I'm 100% serious. He literally was like fake dribbling between his legs. Yeah, I saw as, it. <laughs> and then his get off was still impeccable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I One thing I love to say about this game is the fact that Orlando Brown Jr., a former friend from the Kansas City Chiefs, got a lot of help. Um, and all offseason, I was hearing about how that's such an upgrade. He's a good run blocker, but uh, like almost every drop back, he was getting help from uh, from the running back or a tight end. He was getting chipped help every single time. It, it was unbelievable. And I think that hamstrings their offense because obviously that's one less guy that can go out and run routes. And it messes up the timing of things. So I will say that first of all. And I think second of all, too, I'm not 100% sold that Joe Burrow is healthy. Um, you know, he's not the most mobile guy, but he can get mobile in the pocket and there was none of that at all i saw in this game you know he had no trust i feel like in that that calf i don't know if that was affecting him pushing off on on certain throws as well that came up short or just not attempting certain throws because he didn't trust obviously his leg and the offensive line at the same time and the play calling i thought was pretty off as well i mean joe mixon was averaging nearly six yards a carry but only had seven carries i believe all game uh, so this is the thing with Zach Taylor, especially early on in the season, they tend to always start off slow. And then for some reason, in the middle of the season, they figure out, you know, we can actually be a little bit more balanced. And, you know, we don't have to be this heavy pass team, especially on early downs, which puts us in bad spots, you know, second and long, third and longs, where you're in obvious passing situations where the defensive line can just tee off and you put seven guys in coverage. So I, I think it was a lot of that. Because this game was actually a lot closer than what the score said. It just kind of got a little out of hand uh, in the late in the second half. But it was like 10 to 3 for a majority of the game, it felt like. So I, this wasn't your typical 24 to 3 game, if you would, if you really watched it. I didn't feel like it was just the Bears just completely dominated them or the Browns, I, I should say. But I just think there was a couple of little things here and there that the Bengals could have done to make it a little bit more competitive score wise. And then, like I said, I'm not sure about Joe Burrow, man, that calf. I'm a little worried about it, Martin. I know who also I'm worried about. That's just Sean Watson. I know the Browns wouldn't score 24 points, but he does not look to me. Not like he's talking about getting the guy back from Houston. He looks, I don't know, he does not look like the guy from Houston. He does not look like the guy that Dabo Sweeney said was Michael Jordan playing football. No, I agree. I think the only aspect of his game that does kind of resemble it, he does still look pretty athletic when he runs the ball. <laughs> uh, but you know. Well, what was that for? Why do you make that face? Well, I'm just like, yeah, but he's a quarterback. He's got to oh, throw yeah. it. Yeah, you know who else looks athletic running the ball? Justin Fields, you know, but he plays oh, yeah. quarterback. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There was a lot of passes that he skipped where guys were wide open and he just short-armed it. Uh, but, I mean, to your point about Joe Burrow, could you say that was the weather as well for Deshaun Watson? Or does that not apply to him? <laughs> it would have applied more if I had seen Deshaun Watson play well in his in the six games that he came back for last year. So he gets no, he basically gets no benefit of the doubt, basically, is what you're saying from you. I'm not saying he doesn't get a pass for it, 
right? I've, but I've seen Joe Burrow more recently be an elite-level quarterback than I've seen Deshaun Watson be. And it's been now seven games since I've seen Deshaun Watson be an elite quarterback. It's, it's not necessarily a small sample size. Now, let, this is this year. This is now. That was then. We'll see how it goes forward. It's just something to file away in your week one filing cabinet because by the time week seven pulls around, we may be pulling that one right back out and putting it into the week seven filing cabinet. Yeah, we may. We very well may. I, I would like to believe that he does play better this year, which is not saying much compared to last year. The question is, does he get back to Houston Deshaun Watson? I'm not sure he does. But at the same time, I don't think he necessarily has to with this team for him to be successful. I think he just has to be competent and make timely throws. Because I do think he has a top five defense. I think you have one of the best running games in the league, one of the best offensive lines, even though uh, their right tackle, Jay Cochran, is out for the season. I still think their backup did pretty good when he came in. I think he can be competent enough considering the rest of the offensive line they do have there and the running game that can kind of keep defenses off balance. So, yeah, I'm not expecting Houston Deshaun Watson, but obviously I'm expecting to see much more improved play from last season. So when you were watching, you know, 425 Eastern, Tyreek Hill, 11 catches, 215 yards, two touchdowns. How much did you miss him? <laughs> I mean, I miss him from a aesthetic standpoint. Like, it's just fun. It was just fun seeing Mahomes throw the ball to Tyreek Hill. I don't think you have a better combination as far as their skill sets goes. A guy that plays backyard football can throw from any type of arm angle. Then you got Tyreek Hill, who's the ultimate video game receiver. So I just think that dynamic there was fun to watch. But, I mean, we did just win the Super Bowl without Tyreek Hill. So I'm not over here crying wolf, you know. It's one of those things that I think from a – like I said, just aesthetically, it was fun just to have him and Kelsey and Mahomes as that big three combination. No, nah, but I'll tell you this. I feel you all that all that's well and good. But uh that dude is an that dude is an animal. He's a monster. And Tua had to like take three or four steps to get a running start to get that ball to him. But he's figuring it out and he's throwing the ball with some anticipation. And to see, like, I don't know how you defend that guy he is so good like you I, like do you jam him at the line do you, you can't let him free release but if you jam i mean jc jackson runs a 4 40 and he made and he and tyreek made him look slow like it's just it's it's unfair he's a cheat code and, and uh that was the best game of the weekend to me the dolphins and the chargers the dolphins won it outright they were three-point dogs they won it 36 to 34 Justin Herbert more the same, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, Kellen Moore supposed to open up this offense, deep crossers and all this. I expected a lot more of what we saw in Dallas, you know, over the last, you know, four or five years where you, you I mean, you saw guys running open across the middle of the field all the time. Not have, did not happen, at least in game one for the Chargers there. And, and I didn't think Miami played, I don't think either one of these teams play good defense. The difference is, the Dolphins dialed it up at the end. Vic Fangio sent mad blitzes down in the last, you know, last three and a half minutes of the game to basically neutralize Herbert and some of those crossing routes. Whereas the Chargers, it's time to have a dialogue about Brandon Staley. 
I'll never forget this, Mark. I was reading an article about Brandon Staley when he was coordinating the Saint, I mean, uh, the the Los Angeles Rams defense. And the whole premise of this article, it was written by Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic. The whole premise was that Staley had this gap and a half defense, right? That his defensive tackles and defensive ends could cover a gap and a half as opposed to standardly most defensive ends and defensive tackles are assigned to one gap or two gaps and you do stunts and all this other stuff to free people up, right? Okay. All right. I'm of the belief that there is nothing new in football. So I'm reading this and I'm like, how has somebody not figured this out yet? Then you think about it. It's like, wait, he's got Aaron Donald. So I actually was thinking, I thought, how much of this gap and a half mess is because Aaron Donald demands a double team on every single play, right? Then, then it's probably a little bit easier to cover a gap and a half. He's got Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and they got zero pressure on Tua. Tua had all day and night to throw the ball, and he yeah. sure and he took it, four hundred sixty-six passing yards. One and it, they ran for seventy yards, but gave up. 466 passing yards. That means your your defensive head coach called the defense that gave up over 500 yards of offense and 34 I mean, 36 points. Are you are you telling me that Sebastian Joseph Day is an Aaron Donald? Is that what you're telling me here? I I think I think you know it's one <laughs> of these where it's like you know we always want to sit up and give credit to the coordinators and the coaches and all of this and that. Like sometimes it pays to have. Really, really good players. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I want to go back real quick to a point you made about the offense real quick, about Kellen Moore and the deep crossers and guys not, you know, just running wide open. I think a lot of that also has to do with, you know, maybe I'm just a casual. I don't know. But I think uh, speed, team speed matters a little bit, the receiver position. And you could argue they probably have the slowest receiving core in the league. I mean, you got Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, these are guys that are, you know, especially Mike Williams, more of a, a jump ball guy. He he creates no separation. I know Keenan Allen is a great route runner, so he does create some separation when it comes to that. But I do think uh, he's obviously a little older now. It seems like every year he has these hamstring issues. And that was one thing I was banging the table for. You know, even as a Chiefs fan, I don't want to see the Chargers do well. But just as a football fan, give this guy a speedy receiver. And then they get Quentin Johnston in the first round <laughs> where you could have got like a Zay Flowers. And I was praying they didn't get Zay Flowers. I think he would have been ideal in that Chargers office. But then they get <laughs> Quentin Johnston. I'm like, they just love these big body guys that run a four fives, four six. But hey, I, hey, it is what it is, I guess. That, that's their cup of tea in, in, uh, here in LA. I'll tell you, they should take. It's funny you mentioned Zay Flowers because Baltimore has been trying to find a Zay Flowers type for the longest. Somebody like 5'10 and can just get open and run fast. Like, sorry, Hollywood Brown, it wasn't you. But if you can swap, I'm telling you, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams will go crazy with Lamar Jackson being their quarterback. But that's neither here nor there. C.J. Stroud lost. Bryce Young lost. And the easiest bet of the week was Bryce Young to throw an interception. Uh, and Anthony Richardson lost. Which one was the most impressive to you? Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious answer here is Anthony, Anthony Richardson. Uh, you look at that game, 
I thought he showed pretty good anticipation for what was called. You know, I, I saw the the chart. Most of the passes were to the right side of the field. I think that was obviously by design there. You know, you don't want to give him too much too early. He's a guy that I think is still a project. But I think for even him being a project, I saw a lot of signs that impressed me. I thought he he looked off some linebackers at times. I saw the All-22, and he threw with anticipation. I do believe uh, the offensive line did struggle at times, though, where he had to rush a couple throws, where he had the right thing in mind on where the ball should go. But at times, it was just a little bit off. But like I said, I think he had to rush a couple. He couldn't step into some throws. Now, I do want to see him take care of himself a little bit more. We saw at the end of the game there, he was looking like a pure running back near the goal line. You know, it, yeah, my man ripped off his yeah. QB call, play call sheet. And I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, this is a hell of a time to figure it out. You yeah. know it's like, I, I respect it. But now of all the time, like you want to start, you want to start ad living and improving when there's 10 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. Like, what if something goes wrong? Yeah. And I tell you, he was this close to punching that sucker in. Yeah. This and close. I think we're both we on were the Colts this covering close to game. covering. Yeah. We're both on the Colts covering. So I was like, oh my gosh, that hurts. But uh, yeah, I think it was definitely him. But I will say this, though. I think C.J. Stroud played a lot better than what the numbers show. I watched a lot of that game as well. I mean, they were really getting after him, the Baltimore front. But I do think he showed some poise for the most part. So, But A.R. was definitely the best quarterback out of the rookies. I'd take Anthony Richardson as well in that. And I do agree with you that C.J. Stroud played better. You know, the last number one overall – do you know who the last number one overall pick to win the week one start was? Um, I don't. David Carr. Yeah, I would have never guessed that. <laughs> David Carr won the first game in Texans in Houston Texans franchise history in oh, his wow. first game starting. I remember watching that game. The first pass he threw was a touchdown. So I believe his name was Owen Daniels, the tight end. Wow. Well, that was like 02. What year is that? I had to, it was yeah. definitely before 05. Well, yeah, I want to say it was 2001, actually. Okay, okay. Yeah, wow. I want to say it's 2001, but it's been that long. You know, the last time it was the same thing. Quarterback, drafted number one, who started week one, who didn't throw an interception? No, I'm not oh, sure. Eddie just got me right. It was, it's, uh, so it was 02 then. Okay. It was 02, okay. not 01. Okay. Eddie just yeah. got me right. Thank you, Eddie. The last guy to not do it, Jeff George in 1990. <laughs> Were you born then? No, I was born in 91. Right. See, there you go. Your yeah. entire lifetime, every quarterback has been drafted number one overall and started week one is throwing an interception. Wow. That, that's why you said that was the easiest bet of the week. <laughs> that is what you call a trend right there. <laughs> that is what wow. you call a trend. I don't know. Caleb Williams might break it next year. If he comes we'll up. see. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. If, if uh, you know, two was, <laughs> you know, the first thing I thought I saw to his stat line was, Wow, that's a Shador Sanders stat line. 466 passing yards and three touchdowns. Wow. Now we're calling it a short, short Sanders stat line. Wow. We're here. Let's take a quick break and then get into NFL spreads. Some of the picks that we're going to make this week. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All of this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get to stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present 
present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must register with the eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is held as a loss. Bet maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, and Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Mark. Unders went 12 and 4. It's the best opening week for Unders since 2006. You know, this is fun stats going on, especially for week one. Not a lot of offense in week one, but let's start out the week two picks with Thursday night football. This one uh didn't work out for you too well last week, there, pal. But uh nailed the under for your boy. 53 was a lock. Even with uh, Kansas City throwing the ball all over the place, trying to turn it over. <clears throat> Vikings are plus seven to the Eagles, and it's uh, at Philadelphia, total 49. Where are you going here? Oh, man, I toggled with this one. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but I think I'm leaning Eagles to cover the seven points. I know it's a lot, but I, I really think – at home, I, I'm not high on the Vikings at all. They just lost to the Bucks. It's a short week. Now they're down. They're down their center. I saw he's out this week as well. That's not a good sign when you're playing against that Eagles front. Uh, I think after the sluggish performance in in Sunday in New England, I think you see a more locked in Eagles team against a still a very questionable Vikings defense. Even though I know I know they do have Brian Flores there now. But I, I'm not sold even after playing Baker Mayfield week one. Uh, so I think this is going to be a 10-point a win or more for the Eagles. So give me the Eagles. 
I'm laying seven. I'm laying seven. I'm I'm taking I'm saying I'm taking the seven rather with the Vikings. Uh Eagles, Eddie just put in here. Kenneth Gainwell and James Bradbury both out. I had I knew they were questionable, and I knew Reed Blankenship is also questionable. They're already listed out for Thursday. The Vikings outgained Tampa Bay by 87 yards rushing and 171 yards passing. If they didn't turn the ball over three times, the Vikings would have won that game and probably covered, and we wouldn't have had the Baker Mayfield redemption story that they keep trying to force down our throats. They keep trying it. It's like mean girls. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Anyway, the Patriots outgained the Eagles 316 yards to 251 yards offensively. Darius Slay doesn't pick six that thing. Eagles are 0-1. I'm taking the Vikings to cover here. I think they'll be at least be able to cover their seven. Still down on them as a team in general. I think the Eagles probably win. I'm taking the Vikings to cover. Two week one winners and very decidedly different offensive fashions. The Packers laying two on the road in Atlanta, total 40 and a half. This is a fun one. Uh, uh, this is another one. Uh, this this a lot of uh, good games this week, man. I like this slate. A lot of games I had to really put a lot of thought into, and this was one of them. I think this two number on the road is very weird to me. I think it would be easy to go to Packers here based on how both teams looked this past week. But give me the Falcons. Give me the home dog here, man. I, I, I like the new and improved defense. I like the Jesse Bates addition there. I think it adds um, uh, creativity to that secondary. I, I think you saw them mix a lot of coverages up. I know that they were playing a rookie in his first game. You had that stat about the rookie uh, quarterbacks in week one for number one overall pick, so I understand all of that. And I think everything was too sweet for Jordan Love week one. I think that Bears defense is not good at all. And I think the Falcons are better run on them. I think they would. I, I know the Packers are going to come in expecting that, but I think the Falcons are still better run on them. I don't think they had a good test week one because their best running back was their quarterback in Justin Fields. So give me the Falcons as the their home dog here, man. I love it. I agree that this minus two feels a little fishy, and I think I'm going to lay it. I think I'm taking the Packers here, even though I'm very high on the Falcons. I think they're good, but I need to see a little bit more on offense. The Falcons only had 13 first downs. Uh, in this uh, against the Panthers, who have a pretty good defense, but less than 250 yards total combined. Kyle Pitts had two catches. That's two more than Drake London had, and they played all the snaps. Like, you know, I, I know B. John Robinson had that really cool highlight, and I was like, that's dope. He's making people miss in space. Uh, it's going to, I, Gonna have to wait and see before I pencil this Falcons team in for like double digit wins. I still think they win the South, but offensively they're a work in progress. And it makes me wonder if uh I say this Green Bay does not seem to be a work in progress offensively, especially if Aaron Jones and his hamstring can go. It's only it's Wednesday as we record this. Wednesday, what, four o'clock Eastern. So he's got some time to get ready and get back. If Aaron, but I'll say this, Aaron Jones had like 151 yards on nine touches. Like this Packers offense might just be something special. Now that we've seen Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers is out of there. And the whole thing before Aaron Rodgers was, you know, he's doing the things that he wants to do, which is why he got hurt. Throw the ball. 
You got linemen cut blocking. Garrett Wilson was open. Quit padding it on a three-step drop. Anyway, uh, now that you have a quarterback that's got to probably follow the directions, quote-unquote, a little bit more than Aaron Rodgers was, it's going to be interesting to see what Matt LaFleur can call up in this offense. And I'm not Desmond Ritter, 15 for 18 for 115 yards. Yikes. You know, that, that's that's the type of thing that has all you, you know, you nerds in your PFF grades and your slide rulers and all of that type of stuff talking about what what's his A dot? You know, I can spoil alert. Wasn't far. Okay. Wasn't big. What's the next game you want to pick? Let's get into the Chiefs Jacks. Chiefs laying three on the road, total 51. Chris Jones is back. I was told by you that has negligible effects on this Chiefs team. Oh my God. You got to stop lying. <laughs> you have to stop lying. But uh, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. I'm taking the Chiefs here to cover the three points. I love the Chiefs after a, a loss, especially on the road. They tend to always kind of step up and outperformed that number by a lot. Uh, I remember last year, the Bucks game was after the Colts lost, and they went in there and smacked the Bucks around, scored 40 points against that. At that time, it was still a really good defense. So I think you see a slimmer performance here. You got Chris Jones back. The vibes are good in Kansas City still. Travis Kelsey did practice today as of Wednesday. I expect him to play as well. So, yeah, give me the Chiefs here. I, I think they win by at least a touchdown. I'll take the Chiefs here tentatively. Wow, you take the Chiefs to cover? You never do that. Tentatively. Okay. If, if Travis Kelsey plays or is trending towards playing, I'll take it at three. If it jumps up after the news of him coming out, jumps to like four or five or six, eh, five or six, then I'll be on Jacksonville. But right now, Wednesday at four o'clock Eastern, I'm taking the Chiefs and the three because I – I'm conflicted. I don't know. I saw a pro football doc say that if if uh, if Travis Kelsey truly had all that blood drained from his knee, there's no way he plays. But then also, don't see why Travis Kelsey would be at practice if he's not going to play. Or not at practice, but practicing if he's not going to play, right? Well, they would just be rehabbing the knee. So I'm a little conflicted here. I think he ends up – I think he does end up going. And I'll take the three. That's the only way I would take the three in the Chiefs, though, because I, I do I don't they need more weapons. They need more weapons, and Mahomes has to, you know, learn to live another day on some of these downs and quit throwing the ball 40 yards down the field to Kadarius Tony, who's a screen player, bit player, has been his entire career, but they are out there running around like he's Calvin freaking Johnson. All right, we got we got a couple more games we're gonna get into. Let's get into Let's go to one of your, your former old homes, man. Detroit. You got the Seahawks plus five and a half at Detroit. Where are you at on this one? This team just played last year. I think it was 42-40 final score. I'm yeah. sorry, 40, 45 to 42 final score with Seattle winning. Uh, and if you looked at the line prior to uh prior to week one, I think Seattle was like a two-point favorite. Right. It wasn't it was this was a massive swing, especially after everybody just saw the Lions beat the Chiefs on Thursday night football. And then Seattle was so bad against the Rams, especially in the second half. So I'm conflicted here. This is a tough. I, 
Well, because I really want to know the status of both of Seattle's offensive tackles who left the game due to injury. Tyler Lockett left the game for an extended period of time in the second half, getting a check for a concussion and ended up coming back and finishing the game. So you can feel good about that. He'll be there on uh, for next Sunday. You can feel pretty good about that. He's not in protocol or anything of that nature. But Seattle needs their offensive line. They have to be able to – they need their offensive line. They have to run the ball well uh, in order for Geno to be successful, right? And Detroit has a pretty good pass rush, as we saw Jawan Taylor and his uh, – I don't want to say – his early – Back foot. <laughs> you know, I don't know that was a point of contention, but part of the reason why it was the point of contention because Aiden Hutchinson was running down his throat. And uh the Seahawks, I feel like it was really a Matthew Stafford, I'm putting this team on my back in week one type of deal. He's throwing a the Seahawks got beat by two dudes named Tutu and Poku. By, great uh, names, great uh, names, by the way. I love. I, I'm just, I just, I'm having trouble squaring the circle on that one. Give me Seattle on the points. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't really got too much to add on that. I don't think Seattle is as bad as they show week one, and I think they could actually win this game. So five and a half is a lot. So I'm taking Seattle to cover. And then our last game, man. I think we got to touch touch on this one. Let's go to the AFC North. Got the Ravens at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's three and a half point favorites. The over-unders at 46. I'll start here. This is a, a, a difficult one for me as well. Three and a half is tricky when you got that, that hook there on the three. I think I'm going to lay it on Baltimore, the cover. I think Cincinnati wins a close game, but I think it's going to be a two or three point point victory. I think the Ravens covered a three and a half. We saw these teams, two two teams play in the playoffs last year with Tyler Huntley, a quarterback, and they probably should have won that game. Once again, if he wasn't acting like he was Superman. So I do think the Ravens can cover the three and a half here in Cincy. And I'm still not uh, completely sold on Joe Burrow's calf. So I'm conflicted here as well. You just go with the trends. John Harbaugh is... 10 games over 500 against the spread as a divisional underdog, 18, 8, and 1. That's a pretty good number. On the flip side, including yes, including week one, Joe Burrow has covered in 67% of his 49 starts. The Ravens on offense last year, I mean, uh, week one, they lost J.K. Dobbins. They lost some offensive linemen. Like, offensively a little concerned like outside is a flowers like Odell Beckham didn't really get too much separation you know Mark Andrews you know, I, he was a non-factor I don't think he did he play he didn't play he didn't play I'm about to say he didn't play so he's coming back but like it I didn't really love what I saw out of the new Ravens offense but they had some interesting run concepts but they've always had some interesting run concepts, even under Greg Roman. This is supposed to be able to like open it up and throw it around. And, and I've heard people talk about how like the Ravens are Super Bowl contenders and supposed to win the North. And I just say after watching week one, I know that they won pretty handily. But again, like you said, it was a lot of throwing stuff at CJ, getting them a little confused, started to figure it out a little bit towards the end. I don't think the final score was indicative of how that game went. 
Here's another stat for you. Todd Monken's offenses are 18, or I'm sorry, 10, 18, and 1 against the spread in September and October. Now, obviously, he's been calling Georgia's offenses for the last few years. So I don't know how relevant that is to now, but maybe it speaks to takes a second to install it. Also, probably maybe speaks to people like Georgia putting in their back with quarterbacks hey, as a beating middle Tennessee re- State. I'm just impressed with the research there. Good job, Martin. Good job. Good stuff. Got to have the numbers, man. I got to I got to feel like something is behind these points. But like outside of J.K. Dobbins, the Ravens running backs had combined for 24 carries, and gained 63 yards. Not good. It's not good at all. I'm laying three and a half. Forget it. I'm laying more points than the Bengals scored in their last game on the Bengals to cover today. Three and a half. Come on, Joey. Don't let me down. <laughs> I like it. I like let's, it. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get into our lemon pepper parlay. All right, Mark, what's your lemon pepper parlay for this week? Yeah, man. So you made a good point that actually supports me in one of my plays on my lemon pepper parlay, which is the Niners covering the eight against the Rams. And that point you made was that was pretty much Matthew Stafford putting the game on his back. And it was because Seattle was actually good against them on first and second down. It was just on third down, third and longs where Matthew Stafford would make something out of nothing and find Pookie or whatever his name was, right? So get in third and longs against this Niners defense if you want and see how that works out for you, buddy. It's going to be a different story. So I think the Niners completely slaughter the Rams and put them back into reality. I love the Niners covering the eight here. And I'm pairing that with your boy, my boy, the new Swifty, Travis Kelsey. To score a touchdown, anytime touchdown for Travis Kelsey. And I got those two plays at plus 241, baby. Are you ready for the discourse when Travis Kelsey comes out and has three drops in week two about how he's distracted? <laughs> Are you ready for that? That's what's coming. Nah, man. I I, I buy into the Swifty power. He's going to be fine. He's going to be out there singing, never, ever, ever. Yeah, go ahead. Please, please let me go ahead after that. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna do I'm gonna cheat a little bit here. I'm gonna do a lemon pepper teaser. All right. Oh wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the 49ers and tease them down. I'm gonna take the Cowboys and tease them down. Hold on, I'm doing a three-teamer though. Just okay. hang on. Just hang on a second. And I'm doing the Bills, teasing them down. Six and a half point teaser on all of them. Take the Bills down to what? To two and a half. Take the Rams down to one and a half. And take the Cowboys down to two and a half as well. That's where I'm going with this. I think if you can get those under a field goal, that should all all that should be a safe bet. In honor of Dave Damashek, if you don't want to just survive and you want to live. I got one for you. Take the Texans on the money line against the Colts and take the commanders on the money line against the Broncos. There you go. That's that's my that's my long shot lemon pepper parlay. It should pay out pretty nicely. Okay. 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 I, I like the money line plays at the end. You know, you show Sam Howell show me. 
Shanghai will show me a little something, man. A little something. Now there's still a little, a little something, especially after getting his head knocked off. Like he didn't have no time in the pocket at all. Yeah, <laughs> he showed me a little something, man. I kind of I, I don't like the Commanders wholeheartedly, but also I don't know if you saw Antonio Brown, but he said when you kick off, <laughs> when you start off the the uh, opening kickoff with the onside kick, you already know you're gonna lose. And I'm not buying the Russell Wilson resurgence. I'm not buying that. One bit. I'm right there with you, bud. Let's cash this week, man. Good luck to you, my friend. Oh, you don't need it. You went 10 and 5 last week. Good luck to me. <laughs> See you next week, man.